Josh. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Hello, and welcome to episode 109 of We Turned Out Okay. This is a just you and me episode in which you and I get to hang out together. And it's the first of three parts um, with the election coming up and just a lot of, I don't know what to say, fears and worries. And maybe it's not just about the election, but I don't, I feel like fall is always kind of a closing in time where everything suddenly seems a lot more like real and potentially upsetting. And uh, I wanted to do this, I'm, I'm doing a three-part series and I'm calling it I think I'm going to call it The Modern Parent's Guide to Living Through This Election. And, or maybe I'll call it The Modern Parent's Guide to Living Through Everybody Sucks 2016, because like, that's what, that's, this, those are the signs that I kind of keep seeing in the, uh, in, in my neighborhood and, and around town. Uh, and I'm sure they're spreading where you are as well. There's this pervasive sense that like, it doesn't matter who gets elected, the country's going to hell. It, you know, it kind of doesn't, doesn't matter. And so I guess I'm just wondering today, do you, do you feel it too? This vague sense of fear? Um, We have these beautiful fall days and, and uh, we have some really great things about, and to be honest, fall is my favorite season, usually. Uh, Well, I, you know, I say that fall was once upon a time, my favorite season, but since I have relearned how to walk, uh, which was now three years ago, um, coming back from a chronic illness that that when I first had it uh, really knocked out my legs, particularly one leg. And so now my favorite season is by far and away winter because winter is when I get to ski. Uh, I grew up skiing. I love to ski. Um, skiing has always been a family thing for me. Like it's something that I continue to do with, with my folks and with my brothers and uh, with my sisters-in-law, one in particular, and with my nephews and my sons. And like it's skiing for me has always been like a huge thing to look forward to. But since I lost the ability to walk and then regained it, I'll tell (laughs) you, that made a big, big difference. Um, I mean, I used to think it was a fun pastime. And now like I get out on a ski hill and I just feel so free and incredibly, incredibly grateful that I get to do this again. Uh, and so anyway, fall, as I say, fall used to be my favorite season, but now I look at it as the lead up to winter. Winter is my favorite season. I love it. And anyway, I do still enjoy fall and I hope you do as well. Um, but there is I think maybe it's higher in an election year, but there is this vague sense of fear. Um, I mean, there's uh, there's things to be worried about, right? In in fall, like on the East Coast here, it's it's hurricane season. Um, September and October are the worst of the hurricane months, and so you know you got that hanging over your head. And perhaps not as bad up here in Massachusetts as somebody like in Florida or the Carolinas or Louisiana or something like that. But we've had some doozies, <laughs> and. Um, 
And I kind of feel like in an election year, you're seeing a lot, I think maybe this is why, we're seeing a lot more negative stuff. So the candidates just trash each other on on every media outlet possible. So it used to just be TV, and then it became TV and robocalls, and then it became TV and robocalls and social media. And so you kind of can't go anywhere on the web without without seeing who's slinging mud at whom and what the latest lying liar said. And 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 it does get really hard to to parse out like, what's real? And what should I care about? And what's not real? And what can I what can I kind of put down, I guess not not worry about so much anymore. So I guess I'll just share that. Um, I have a list that I write down if I can write like so now the the my, uh, my chronic illness has kind of moved up to my upper body. And um, there are times where I just can't write at all. Like I can't pick up a pencil. I mean, I just can't do it. But when I can, I try to write down. And when I can't, I try to speak um, every night before I go to bed, the 10, 10 goals that I have for my life. So for example, my very first life goal is to knit in 2016. I used to love to knit. And I had to stop probably three, four years ago now. Um, and I'm working my way back up to the point where I can knit again. Well, the, that's that's number one. Number two is put down some balls, which I know sounds a little silly. But what that means to me is only worry about what what you can what make I guess prioritize your worries make it so that you do not have to worry about everything so I guess as an example I went to the rheumatologist a week or so ago and while I was there I was told you cannot pay cash you can use any card you know whatever um, or you can write a check but you cannot pay cash and I was like what happens to those poor people who do not who don't have a checking account don't have any kind of a bank account and cannot get a credit card. Like, what do they do? And it became this sort of, I was like, oh my God, those poor people. Like, how can it be that you you can't go to the doctor unless you can use something other than cash? And um, and I, apparently that's illegal as well. But apparently it's not illegal for a certain, I don't know, hospitals or something, because what they do is they, they have, I don't know, exploited some loophole so that you don't have to, you don't have to, a bill, you don't have to have to take cash. And we're on the way home from this appointment. And I was like, Oh, wow, these poor people. And, and Ben says to me, my husband says to me, Hey, that's something you don't have to worry about. You know what I mean? Some things you have to let other people worry about. And I realized I have to put down that ball. That's not something I can think about. And so I, I feel like, you know, just that idea of knowing what balls to put down um, and which ones I can take up and, and keep going with, that really kind of defines my life. It makes it so that I know where to focus my energy. And so one ball that I've decided to pick up has to do with you, um, my listener, and how you're feeling in this particular election cycle with the TV ads and the print ads and the robocalls and the uh, the social media stuff. I can't imagine. We live in Massachusetts, which is pretty blue, um, which which what that means is that we don't see a lot of or we don't get the robocalls. We don't see a lot of the same kinds of things as somebody like in Ohio or or whatever would would get. And um, I mean, or just up in just up in New Hampshire, just above the border. Um, they're they're like 
screen lives are so completely different because you're constantly bombarded with with ads from from both sides and um I I guess I just felt like I want to make this modern parents guide to living through the election because I want you to first of all know that you're not crazy if you've got this vague sense of fear and you can't it's sort of nameless and you know you kind of maybe go through your day like worrying but not really knowing what you're worried about um and I want to do something to help you because nobody should have to live like that, right? <laughs> so uh, the other thing, I guess the other reason I wanted to bring it up, the other reason I wanted to pick up this ball and help uh, you, dear listener, not feel that vague sense of fear anymore. And it's going to take it's going to take more than this one episode. It's pro- I'm, I'm anticipating that I'll do these three shows, uh, just you and me shows, of that will sort of take us through the election. But also, as you heard last week, and as you'll hear next week and in future weeks, I've got some amazing guests that are going to make us all feel better and are making us all feel better about like parenting in this crazy world and um, things we can do to keep our family safe and things we can do to avoid, for example, toxic stress. So last week's episode Tuesday guest episode I got to speak to. I was so honored and privileged to speak to Dr. Bernard Dreyer. He is the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and he came on the show last week to talk about, um, to address this thing called toxic stress, which uh, doctors, I guess, are seeing in younger and younger patients. And Dr. Dreyer kind of said, well, you know, toxic stress doesn't start with the child. It starts with the child's parents. So oftentimes, Dr. Dreyer continued, what he says, what I'll do is I will say to a parent of a child with toxic stress, how's your stress level? And very often, the the parent's stress level is off the charts because they're living in extreme poverty or they, they, they're daily victims of violence or, you know, something like that. I mean, those are the kinds of situations where you get toxic stress. And um, I found Dr. Dreyer to be so incredibly comforting to talk to. And then coming up in these next few guest episodes, I've got other guests that are similar, but slightly different. Like, um, so Dr. Dreyer's purview is children, you know, from a health standpoint. And I've got a guest coming up who's going to help us feel better about the election because she's a broadcast journalist and has been for 20 years. And Um, We're also going to talk to a woman who used to be the Assistant Secretary of National Homeland Security. And as in that position, she oversaw, um, for example, it was it was she who dealt with the um, she was a major, you know, person who dealt with the cleanup of the BP oil spill from about I feel like that was about a decade ago, maybe a little, little less than a decade ago. and she's gone on to sort of ask the question, like, how do regular people feel safe in this world of terrorist attacks and um, and all natural disasters and all the other things that can befall us um, as just human beings? And uh, and I've got others planned too. I'm I'm so excited about this this kind of season of we turned out okay. I'm thinking of it as the voices of reason, and and I hope to be one of those voices of reason and kind of help you. Um, live through this fall, get through this election season, maybe even turn, you know, like if they're all going negative, we can think of us as as uh, becoming positive. So let's take that, you know, that vague sense of fear, this tide of negative negativity and negative ads and 
all the things that, you know, everybody's telling us we should be worried about. And let's, let's say, okay, you know what, we're going to set that stuff aside. And instead of worrying, we're going to do something about it. And, uh, and that's what I, that's what we're going to start with today. We're going to do something about it together. Um, because we may think that we're keeping our worries from our kids, but we're, we're totally not. I mean, kids are so good at getting atmosphere from us. You know, they may not, you may have, I don't know, an argument with your spouse or something like that. And they may not understand what the um, context is, but they understand that you're not happy. And a lot of times kids turn that on, they'll they'll think to themselves, because they're so uh, egocentric, they'll think to themselves, oh, mama's mad. I must have done something. It must be my fault. And, um, you know, we may think we're keeping our fears from our children, but uh, we're not. I mean, it's really hard to do that. In order to keep our fears from our children, we have to kind of not be fearful, basically. <laughs> so that's what these, I think, that's what these three episodes will really be of these Just You and Me episodes that are going to be interspersed with Your Child Explained episodes and with guest interviews. Um, that's what I'm focusing on. We're going to, if we agree that we can't keep all fears and all vibes from our kids, um, then what we have to do is not be fearful, right? On a, on a very basic level. So this is the first of those three episodes. And, and we're going to start with something really, really basic today, something that will help everything else. I promise you that this is true. You're going to think it's so, you're going to think, duh, when I say this. But anyway, I'm going to say it anyway, because I this is, for me, this has been a total truth. And I think it will be for you too. So we're going to start with this question. And the question is, how is your sleep? How is your sleep? Do you do you do you get good sleep at night? Um, do you get your eight hours? Do you get six hours even? Do you get four? Do you wake up really early worrying? Um, do you wake up really early as I did when my youngest especially was a baby and think to myself, how many seconds or minutes or seconds have I got before he wakes up and I and, and needs me? Like how much time have I got to just be here warm in bed before I have to go operate on somebody else's agenda? Um, how's your sleep? Uh, it used to be a real problem for me. You know, I, I think we all, when we have babies and little kids, our, our sleep is not our own. I mean, we've really kind of uh, set that aside for a couple years, um, at least a couple years, right? But as and I think we we all work out, I hope anyway, that we work out ways to deal with that. Um, uh, you know, people talk a lot about the blue screen and how like the blue screen. So watching TV before bed or watching TV as you're trying to fall asleep can be can be really, really detrimental because our brain gets the message you should be awake, right? Um, so shutting off all screens a couple hours before you plan to go to bed Um not avoiding caffeine for, for, you know, from say five o'clock on. Um, those are some of the things uh, that, that have worked, have really worked for me. Uh, Cause I know sometimes we hear those things and we're like, oh yeah, like that's really going to help. Well, I found that it helped me, especially when I was, when I was parent of young children. Um, because the, the problems were that they were relatively easily remedied problems. I could get to bed. If I went to bed at, at 930 or something like that, 
um, when when my Jason was up at five, I could be up with him or 430 or whatever time, whatever crazy pants time he thought was the perfect time to be awake in the morning. Uh, with Max, it was not an issue because Max was sleeping through the night in the hospital. And he really was. He like and I was an, I nursed him and, and that still was the case. He just he loved his sleep and he still does. It's it's awesome. I love that. So um so that's not when I think about like this kind of you're worrying, you're waking up early. That's not really what I think about. Um, and if oh, how can I say this? If your issue is, you know, the baby's going to be awake before you're ready to be awake. Um, and I guess I guess I would say to that, I mean, those are totally valid problems. Um, or they're totally valid issues, I guess. But they don't have to be problems. It doesn't have to be a problem if you think to yourself, okay, I can fix this. How can I fix this? I can go to bed an hour earlier. I mean, it might not be ideal, but if you want to, I don't know, be a, be a, a you know, a, a happy person who isn't cranky or whatever, if you want to try and get in seven, eight hours of sleep, maybe that's one way to do it. Um, cutting out the caffeine in the in the afternoons and evenings um or going completely caffeine free which which uh ben and i have done Uh, we've been caffeine free for years i have decaf coffee every morning and it's funny because i still crave it just like i would crave caffeinated coffee it's like where's my coffee (laughs) even though it's decaf um so like start with if if you are having trouble sleeping start with those basic things how can you set it up for when you for when it's bedtime so that you can get to sleep more easily because a lot of times that's the problem right you're you're lying awake you can't settle down um you know you've just you've been watching exciting thrilling uh whatever horror horror tv or i mean it doesn't have to be horror but anything that either that stirs up deep emotions in us that's going to make it harder to settle down so if you finish watching uh i don't know your favorite Freddy movie at 9:45 and you're like all right I'm going to be asleep by 10 I have a feeling that's not going to happen. Um so so I think what we can do as parents is we can try to plan our evenings a little bit better. If you are I I so it's so funny we're how many minutes in now? We are 17 minutes in and I still haven't told you why like the whole reason that I decided to make an episode on sleep which is that after the kids were older and sleep had gotten to, I had gotten, I'd started to have a better relationship with it. I remember that I used to really love sleep. And so I was able to get to bed, say at 11 and get up at seven or something like that. And that would be fine. Um, but then I got this chronic illness. And so suddenly I was in tremendous pain. And suddenly my, it was, it was a real problem to walk from my living room to the bathroom. Suddenly I couldn't stand up in the shower. Suddenly I couldn't, um, I had to plan how I was going to get from the computer chair to the dining room table. And the dining room table was like two steps away at the time. I mean, never forget about going downstairs, right? I mean, like that, that just couldn't have, it's a good thing our living space was all on the same floor as like bedrooms on the same floor as kitchen and bathroom and stuff like that. Um, I spent months without the ability to walk more than a few steps because of tremendous pain. Um, and believe me, when there's when there's so much pain and so much worry and so much fear about like, is my life going to be like this forever? What is this? Who can? Because I couldn't find, 
I would go to doctors and they would be like, well, sorry, there's nothing we can really do for you. Like nobody really knew what this was. Once we'd ruled out some of the basic things, no one really knew what this was until eight months after I had initially lost the ability to walk when I found a, a physical therapist who saved my life because he saved my leg. And um, he got it working for me again. And then it, it took like, I think it was another year, maybe 18 months before I could walk again. Like, I, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the show about skiing. So I learned how to walk again in March. That was when I could put weight on my leg and not have it be a problem. Um, and that was when I started to remember the mechanics. of. I had to be taught how to rewalk. I mean, isn't that crazy? <laughs> 40 years old, I had to be taught how to walk. Um. So that was in March. The following winter, I was like, I really want to ski, Ben, but I'm afraid. And he said, well, you should embrace that fear and don't ski, please, darling. I can't live with you like this again. So that year I was like, all right, I won't ski. And then a whole nother year went by. And that was the year. So I guess it was about 18 months, a little more than 18 months. I decided that no matter what, I was going to bloody well ski. Um, we have a we have a program that we belong to. A lot of people belong to kind of like a you go every Friday to the ski hill. Um, we have a ski hill that's about an hour away from us. And so, um, so that was, I mean, that's a, that's a total aside, but I bring it up because during those, so March of 20, let's see, March of 2012 to December of 2013 is how long it took me to rehabilitate and get to the point where I decided that now my legs are well enough that I, I'm ready to ski. Uh, and that to me, that means that they're in, in decent enough shape. I have enough muscle strength that I can do this and I'm not going to damage, you know, the tendons again by going back and skiing. That's a long ass time to go without sleep. <laughs> and that's what was happening to me. Um, and in fact, it was even the previous August. It was August of 2011 that I first started having these problems. So, I mean, we're talking like two years where I where sleep was a real problem for me, where I would wake up in the morning at like three or two in the morning because I just wasn't afraid to put my leg on the floor. I was afraid like what, you know, what would happen? So the, I would say that it was, I, in fact, I remembered it was the Thanksgiving, it was Thanksgiving of 2012. So I was on the road to being able to walk and I came across a book. I'm not gonna remember the name of the book, but it's by Dr. Andrew Weil. I think it's something about living well or something like that. And um, his whole idea about living, you know, kind of a good life is one that is healthy, but it's healthy for a reason. Um, it's because you are, it's not because of the, uh, I don't know, the, the, I guess I think I'm sorry I, I my words are all piling up on each other. Um I think he would say I think I could sum up Dr. Andrew Wiles' ideas by saying that like we live really complicated lives right now in our society and what we need to do is remove some of the complications and remember what's most important. I mean it really all gets back to that. What balls can you pick up and or, you know and what balls can you leave put down? Um and so obviously health is a huge one. Um, and what, what, how can you be healthier? You know, can you eat better? Can you get more exercise? Can you get more sleep? Can you get better sleep? And um, I was really grasping at straws when I read 
I, I wish I could remember the name of this particular book. Um, it was, I think it was new in 2012. So um, maybe I'll look it up and link to it. And in this book, he teaches a, a breathing um, pattern. He calls it the four, seven, eight breath. And I, I was a yoga instructor before I um, got my chronic illness. And I still think of myself as a yoga instructor. Um, and in that, what we do is we learn to teach relaxations and meditations. And uh, the whole kind of not the whole point, but um, yoga, as I learned it, which is really from a sort of fitness perspective, um, yoga, the one of the great things about it is you warm up your body, you sort of go through these kind of um, warm up routines, these poses that, um, that feel really, really good, um, feel definitely weird at first, but then they, they start to feel good after you do it a little bit. And you start to realize that, damn, you're sore after, after an hour of yoga. And then you start to realize that you're stronger. And I actually, I grew an inch <laughs> between when I started teaching yoga or when I started uh, learning to be an instructor. And uh, I don't know, a few years later, because, um, not because I, my bones had grown, but because I was limber, I was more limber. So like my, I stood up taller. Um, you know, I straightened my back and my shoulders and I, I brought my head up to where it should be rather than kind of scrunched down in my neck. And, um, like yoga. So what you do is you, you go through these warm up poses and then you, you do the really hard work in the middle that feels so good. And then at the end, you, you find that you have this kind of cool connection with your mind because you've worked your body in this way. And now your job is to, um, kind of connect mind and body together. That's the best way that I could say it. And I learned to do that through meditations that were really called relaxations. And a lot of that is linked to breathing, you know, um, focusing on your breath. And the the thing about focusing on your breath is is that you don't, it puts your focus in one place. And it's, it's all it's a distraction, I mean, basically from pain or from worries or whatever. And that was so I really was able to fall back on my kind of yoga training, Certainly in terms of relaxing, um, I couldn't do the yoga poses, but I could, I could, when I was trying to go to sleep at night, in fact, mostly what I did was I would put myself to sleep at night using one exercise or another, and then like one breathing exercise or another, a meditation or a relaxation. But that didn't stop me waking up at two or three or four in the morning. Um, And once I woke up at those times, I could not go back to sleep. I would just lie there and worry. And, um... This breath that Dr. Weil speaks of, the 478 breath, was such a huge help for me. Um, you do it in the morning and you do it at night. And ever since ever since Thanksgiving of 2012, I have done it. No matter where I am in the world, no matter what time zone I'm in, no matter <laughs> what time I get to bed or what time I get up, every single morning and every single night, and that is not a lie, that is the truth. I've never once forgotten or not done it. Um, And what I find now is that the four, seven, eight breath for me in the evening or in, you know, at night when I'm lying in bed, it's the last thing I do before I go to sleep. It's, it's like a signal to my body. Okay, now it's time to go to sleep. Good night. And when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing I do. And it's like, it takes me from that sleepy kind of mode into like, okay, you're awake, you know, have a great day. Um, and I'm actually going to link to, I found a video where Dr. Weil, um, 
does this seven, eight breath and uh, four, seven, eight breaths, sorry. And I just want to link to it so that you can see it too. Um, you can uh, go to the show notes. We turned out okay.com. And sorry, I just, my, my earphones went funny, so I'm not really hearing myself as well, but I can see that I'm being recorded. So I guess that's good. We got that going for us. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to link to that. So you go to weturnedoutokay.com slash 109, and uh, that will bring you to this episode, which will bring you to um, that, that link. And so I feel like today's show is really an introduction to what's coming up in the fall. Um, I really hope you get a lot out of it. I think you will. I think that whether you are into this election or not, um, by the way, I'm going to work really hard to stay unbiased. My goal here is not to tell you who to vote for. Um, my goal is to help you have a worry-free fall, even with the, the you know, the, the sort of hurricanes and tornadoes that are flying around each and every one of us. Um, I, because I, I, I don't really, to me, it's not up to who I'm not trying to influence you one way or another about who to vote for. Um, I just want you to enjoy your life, even in the midst of, of this stuff that's going on. So, um, so I guess think of today as an introduction, but one with a really important message in it, which is, we, um, if we are worried, uh, we are, our kids are most likely getting that message. It's really difficult to keep stuff like that from little kids. And that we're going to start with the total basics here. And the most basic thing that I could think of to start with is sleeping. And how's your sleep? Um, I, I've had an idea and I'm thinking, I'm going to ask you guys for the, about this. I, as a yoga instructor, I have a couple of really great exercises, breathing exercises that um, I think you'd really benefit from. So my idea is to record one or two of them and, um, you know, post them so that you can download them. Let me know what you think about that. Is that something that you would like to hear from me? Um, I have a really, uh, my, so uh, earlier on in the, in the podcast history, a reviewer told me that, um, my voice was, quote, calming and dreamy. And I was like, gosh, I love that. What a nice thing to say. So I, I don't do that on purpose in the podcast. That I guess that just happens. <laughs> um, but when I am doing a relaxation or a meditation, I, I know how to make my voice sound really calming and relaxing and dreamy. And um, if you think that it would be beneficial for you to have my voice, you know, as an MP3 so that you could listen to um, the things that have really helped me to sleep, uh, it's, you know, just, I can probably just record, I don't know, a couple, maybe a couple of five minute exercises that, um, that have really helped me that have really helped my kids like my kid, I've worked through these with my kids, when they um, were having trouble sleeping when they were younger. By the way, guess when they were having trouble sleeping, it was when I was going through all this. So there's another way that like our fears and worries are reflected onto our kids, right? we're all sleeping a lot better these days. Although I don't know, maybe maybe 19 time winner of the husband of the year award, Benjamin Culp would disagree with me. He's not sleeping all that well, but the rest of us are sleeping pretty well. Um, yeah, so let me know, go to weturnedoutokay.com slash contact and tell me if you want this, um, a bonus like that. 
And if you do, I will get going on it. All right. Uh, so that's it for our show today. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It means so much to me that you are, you know, listening, subscribing, um, downloading, sharing these episodes. I think they're going to help a lot of people. And you're a part of that. So thank you so much. And I have a special thanks today to our producer, the man who I feel so privileged to sleep next to each night, the 19 time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want a date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. Theater, 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 theater,